mutual friends, and after an extended period of time, he finally mustered up enough courage to ask her out on a date. So he asked her out on a date, and she says, sure, pick me up at 7 o'clock. And so she's getting ready for this date, for him to come knocking on the door, and she puts on a nice dress and does her hair and her makeup. She goes through multiple costume changes for the evening, not certain how she should dress for this. She's anticipating having a nice time with a handsome young man and, and uh, spending just, you know, time together with someone of her age, shared experiences and mutual friends, and 7 o'clock rolls around, and she's ready to go, and 7.15 rolls around, and she's still ready to go. 8 o'clock rolls around, and this young man has still not arrived on the step. 9 o'clock finally gets there, and she's figured out she's been stood up. So she goes back into her room, and she puts on her PJs, pops some popcorn, sets down on the couch, turns on the television. Behold, a knock on the door. There's the young man. He looks at her in her pajamas, and he says, I'm two hours late, and you're still not ready. <laughs> Time's an interesting thing, isn't it? It's this subjective thing that, that we, we hold ourselves to. It binds us. It controls us. It dictates us. It works against us. There was a pastor named Joby Martin many years ago who launched a, a church out of another church. They didn't have a, a college ministry, and he started a college ministry there. And before you know it, he had several hundred college students who were coming to this church. And the, the pastor said, uh, Joby, we love you, and we think you're doing a great job, and we think that God is calling us to launch you out into starting a whole other church with this younger generation. We're not equipped to minister to these students because if we had been, we'd been reaching them, and, and, and we're not. And so we're going to send you out. And Joby starts this church in an old Walmart, and, and uh, it's called the Church of 1122. And it, when they asked him about this church, what does it mean? He says, well, I'd love to tell you that it, it, it's Mark 11:22 that says, if you say to the mountains, cast yourselves in the, the sea, they will. He says, but we're dealing with college kids. And 11:22 is what time they finally show up when church starts at 11. I'm a time. It makes me crazy when people are late. I hear my dad talking in my ear, if you're on time, you're late. Period. If, if, if it starts at 11, 10, 45, 10, 50 is pushing it, but man, time is time, and you got to be there. I, I used to hire people to work for me when I worked for Lowe's and Best Buy, and I asked a young man, tell me what you bring to us. He goes, I'll be to work on time. I said, great, I'll pay you on time. Now we're even. Don't tell me that's a, a quality that I should look for, you to be on time, because guess what? After three of those, you're fired, and I'll do it timely and in an orderly fashion. Do you have issues with time? Do you, do you have challenges with, with your time, with being where you're supposed to be when you're supposed to be there? Do you, do you allot yourself enough time to, to battle traffic? Do you, do you catch yourself managing schedules differently? Oh, it's summer traffic now, students are out. Do, do you know, if those of you who commute, do you know KDISD, HISD, Klein ISD, do you know everybody ISD? Do you know when they start and stop school so that you know when you do or do not have to drive into or, or out of traffic? Because your time is so valuable. Time is a big deal. Time was given to us by God whenever he said, let there be light to govern over the day and a light to govern over the night. We saw this establishment of it was the first day. 
and then the next, and then the next, and the next. Time was given to us by God. Now, by the way, God exists outside of time and space. And so when we apply God's timing to things, we have to realize that God's timing is always perfect because he's not bound by the 60 seconds in a minute, 60 minutes in the hour, seven days in a week, 168 hours a week. He's not bound by that. And so God's love is not only timeless, but everything about him exists outside of that time. But yet we're trying to push things into this finite amount of time that we have each and every day. I want to show you this word cloud. When you think about time, you might see some of these words up there. We, we use lots of different phrases. Uh, uh, spending time, wasting time, killing time, time management. What are some of the other fun ones? Are there lost time, part-time, overtime, passing time, quality time? We all know what that is, right? Quantity time, storing up time, making time, hard time, prime time. It's not just Deion Sanders, right? Double time. We use this word time to, to help us understand when, where, how, all those questions we ask. What time is it? How much time do we have? How much longer is this going to go on? You're asking that probably now already. Do you not have time this morning? Is there someplace else you need to be? Did you not did you double book church with something else this morning? Try to put two things in the same elements of time. It doesn't work out. Space and matter. We can't occupy two different times and space simultaneously. Time is this interesting thing. And this morning I want to ask you, how do you use your time to serve God and to serve others? How do you use your time? Now I want you to really embrace that ideal of your time, okay? Because it's a, it's a lie. And if you think it's your time or your free time, or your nap time, as some of you will get into this afternoon. If you think it's your time, then I would tell you, you've probably already lost the battle of time, okay? Especially if you have children. There's no such thing as your time. There's just time. And everybody wants a piece of it. Everybody's gnawing away, chiseling away, taking from you your time that you cannot get back. I had many, many classes in college. I've been to lots of meetings. I love memes, as I told you last week. There's a guy with a coffee cup that says, I've just endured yet another meeting that could have been solved with an email. Time is just wasted. I can never get that time back. Time's valuable to us. How do you use your time to serve God and to serve others? That's a serious question. I hope you answer that. I love what Colossians 3.17 says, and whatever you do, whether word or deed, do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. Colossians 3, 21 and 22, 23 were life verses for me. Serve the Lord, not man. Invest your time wisely in the things that are going on. How do you serve your time to serve others and to serve God? How do you do that? Do you struggle with that? I think if you're honest, you would say yes, because I think we all do. And just full disclosure this morning, my goal is not to guilt you into anything, but I do hope to get under your skin just a little bit to help us all understand that we have been given time, a finite amount of time, and we're to use that time wisely for God's purposes. And most of that time that we might view as irredeemable is very much redeemable when it is in service to God and in service to others, not in service to self. How well do you use your time? I've said many times in this church that it's important to me over and over again. I've said this. It's important to me 
that I don't know who gives to our church. And there, there's, a, there's a lot of reasons for that. But more than anything, what it does for me is it allows me to give you the proper teachings about what God says regarding money and how you should obtain it, use it, store it, waste it, all those things, and not speak into an individual because I do or do not know what you do or do not give. One of the passages I like to talk about is that you don't give under compulsion, but you give according to how the Lord calls you to that. And I think the same principle applies to your time each and every day and how you utilize that time. But I've said this over and over again, and I'll say it again. I really think we would all be for the better if we would open our calendars long before we opened our checkbooks. That if we would open up the 168 hours we have in a week, and we would ask the Lord... What can I do with this time to serve you, to know you, to walk with you, to be with you, to serve others, to glorify your name in every place and every person I meet? How can I use this 168 hours of finite time that you have given me this week to plan to do good for you no matter the cost? How can I do that? And so I do encourage you, continue to open your calendars much wider much often, much more often than you do your checkbooks. Obviously, things cost money. Ministry costs money. Doing things costs money. But it doesn't matter how much you have. If we don't have the people and the time to do that ministry, it doesn't really matter. And the whole ideal of outsourcing ministry is a terrible plan. It's a really bad ideal. And as a pastor, it is my job, it is my calling, it is my responsibility, according to Scripture, to prepare you for the ministry not to do the ministry for you because you pay me to do so. We talked about that last week. More than anything, what's really challenging is the blessing that is taken from you when you over-schedule yourself in such a way that you just don't have time to do ministry. And someone else does the required ministry for the whole of the body in your place. I do think that we sacrifice blessings from God when we tell Him no because we don't have time. The Greeks had this interesting set of words for time. Now, the, the English language is, is dirty. And what I mean by that, it's muddled, it's muddy. We use one word to describe several different things. The word love often comes to mind. It's a great example. I love my wife. I love my children differently, but I still love them. I love cheeseburgers differently, but I still love them. Okay. I use the same word for love for all three of those, but they're all a different kind of love. Now, when we talk about time, the Greeks use two words for time that describe something very interesting. They use the word chronos, which is a chronological time or a sequential time. It's a linear time. It's how things happen in progression. And they also use this word kairos, which is this opportunity of time, this window of time. And in this chronos, it says these are the day-to-day, da-da-da-da-da-da-da, things that happen along our way. We all deal in chronos time because after 7 o'clock comes 7.01, comes 7.10, comes 7.30, right? And that's the chronos of time, and we schedule according to the chronos time. But it's that kairos time that the Greeks use, particularly in a passage we're going to look at here in a minute, that they talk about the opportune time for God to in- intervene and to act and to do something within the chronos of time. Now, I'm hoping to clarify this a little bit so that we don't go too far over the head. I am not a Greek scholar, but I'm just telling you that they got it right when they used two different types of time or two words for the different types of time. 
in some ways, it is a good simplification to say that we talk about quantity time being chronos and quality time being kairos and quality only being quality whenever we refer to God's purposes. Everything else is just time, but quality time is for God's purposes. And so this morning, I'm going to talk to you a little bit about both of those two times, Kronos and Kairos. And if you have your Bible with you this morning, I want you to turn with me to Ephesians chapter 5. And we're going to look at just a couple of verses this morning uh, to kind of frame up everything when we talk about time today. Uh, Ephesians is a, another one of Paul's letters that he wrote to the, to the church at Ephesus. We were there last week uh, in, in Ephesians chapter 4. And this week, we're in Ephesians chapter 5. And he's talking to them about a great many things in his theology and today he's talking to them about something that we can all very easily identify with. It's the, the proper, and, and, and look, I, I just, I, just let me ask you for a second. Have you just wasted time doing things twice? There are fewer things that make me crazier than that. I mean, I, I forego doing things so I don't have to do them twice. I just pile them all up so I can do them all at once. Uh, I, I don't like to make multiple trips back and forth to do stuff. I like to do things all at once. And I have these two modes, either all go or, or no go. And it's, it's 100% or nothing. But I don't like doing things twice. I'm an efficient person, you know, like moving stuff. That makes me crazy. Let's take it from here, put it here. Let's pick it up again later and move it over there. And let's pick it up again later and move it over there. No, let's take it from here and put it in its final destination and leave it there because I don't have time to do all of this. And I'm getting too old to have the energy to do that because time is catching up to me, right? And I've spent too much time at the table. Some of you can identify, right? In Ephesians chapter 5, we're going to start in verse 15 and look through 17. I want to talk to you about this kairos and this, this, this chronos time that Paul talks about to the Ephesians church. So let's read this together. Verse 15. Be very careful then how you live, or what your translation may say, walk, not as unwise, but as wise, making the most of every opportunity. Kairos, the most of every opportunity, because the days are evil. Therefore, do not be foolish, but understand what the Lord's will is. How well do you use your time to serve God and serve others? When we look at this passage of Scripture in, in Ephesians chapter 5, we see some very interesting things that Paul is saying to the church at Ephesus. First of all, he says, be very careful about how you walk, how you live your life, how people watch you live your life. Look at, at how you live versus how you walk, that not only are people watching that, but it is a demonstration of the God who lives in you, who loves you, who took time to go to the cross for you. According to the Kronos in 33 AD, he went to the cross on this date because in the Kairos window of the crucifixion of Christ, this was the opportune time that God had set up. And he had been doing so for thousands of years because it just so happened to fall on the day of the Passover, which celebrated thousands of years earlier when he rescued all the children of Israel out of the slavery of Egypt. And he passed over those who had blood on the doorstep. And he put them on the top of the door and on the sides of the doors. And if you were to put blood on a door, it would shape a cross. And the, the chronos of time brought all these devout Jews from every nation back to these appointed places in Zion three times per year. And one of those was for the feast of the Passover. And this is why Jesus was in town, because the chronos had said he needed to. The, the chronological time, the date on the calendar said, this is the time of the festival. But the kairos, the opportune window of time that God said was, this is the day that the Lamb of God, the, the, the unblemished, unstained, perfect sacrifice for all mankind is going to get nailed to that cross and the blood will run down on all sides of the doorpost. 
Do you see how the, the chronos of time moves, flows through, and the kairos of time says this is the window by which God's going to do something amazing? Now, here's the beauty of it. God already has that planned out. All we've got to do is recognize it and join in. The window opens, and you go through the window. You enjoy the cool breeze that comes with it because God is moving. The Spirit of God moves in us whenever our chronos is in the right place. So be careful how we live, how we walk, so that as we take advantage of the finite number of hours and time that God has given us, if we'll be careful then how we walk, not as, fo- not as unfoolish, uh, not as foolish, but as unfoolish, we will see those windows of opportunity by which God intervenes and says, I got something good for you to do, something really, really cool. You're going to love it. And I've had this planned out all along outside of time that you understand. I've just been waiting on you to be obedient enough with me to free up your chronos time so that you can pay attention to what I'm doing in the much bigger picture and be a part of that. Be careful then how you walk, how you live. Not as wise, unwise, but as wise, making the most of every opportunity. Now, I think for us, there's a couple things we've got to pay attention to as every opportunity. Are you so busy in your life that you just don't have time for A, B, C, D, E, or F? And and so let me ask you this. If you wake up in the morning, you grab your phone, do you look at your emails and your to-do list and all the things you have to do before you brush your teeth, before you have a cup of coffee, before you eat, before you kiss your spouse or whatever you do, if you look at all those things today, I'm telling you right now, you're probably going to be dictated by one of two things. Time that you don't have enough of to get all these things done, and the other is that you just don't have your priorities straight. Early in the morning, Jesus got up and he spent time alone with God. He didn't get up, look at his phone, check his to-do list and say, I don't have time for you today. What about you? I I have a hard time recommending you to put God on the to-do list. Just, Just to be fair. I think it's good if you schedule that. It's good to have a routine. I think that's okay. But I have a really hard time saying, you should make God on your to-do list. This is hard for me. Because everything else had to flow out of the time I spent with the Lord today. The, the energy that I got, the knowledge that I got, the relationship that I fostered this morning that I got up with the Lord and spent time with Him, then everything else got put back into its rightful place. Important, necessary, even urgent sometimes. Be careful then how you walk, not as unwise but as wise. Make most of every opportunity, which is hard to do when you're so leveraged that you have no margin in your life. Some of the most amazing ideals happen. Some of the most creative things happen. Some of the the greatest ministry happens when there is margin, when you have all those things done that need to get done and that you have this free time available to not be burdened by all the tasks and all the stuff and all the responsibilities and all the things that everybody else expects of you, but you have all that thing done and in its right priority, there's margins in there that allow you to be used by God in such a way to say, I'm free. The problem is, is that we try to create that margin in such a way so that we can be free instead of saying, you know what, I'm just going to let God dictate a whole lot of the stuff that I say yes to, and maybe some of the best ministry I do is say no. There's good ministry in that. But if all you're saying is no, that's terrible ministry. Because you have to come to a place where at some level you say, no, God, I don't have time because the time you have given me, I've managed irresponsibly. 
you, you got to come to a place at some point to say, if God gives me that time and I don't have time for him, then I have managed that irresponsibly. I have squandered the gift of time, believe it or not. The gift of time. And I'm now walking as unwise, not as wise, and I'm not making the most of every opportunity because the days are evil. First of all, let me tell you, I believe that man is inherently bad. I don't think man is good. I don't think there's any good in him. I think it is Christ that redeems him and moves him from bad to good, but he does so after we are fully redeemed and fully restored. We are within ourselves sinners who can be called saints because of the blood of Christ that was sacrificed for us in the Kairos window of the cross that day on Calvary. But along the chronos of our timeline, we are inherently not good people. And we are being made good by what God is doing in us. The process called sanctification, to be made holy, to be made like God. But the days we live in are evil. And I don't think that's much of an argument to make today. Open a newspaper if anybody still reads those. Get in traffic. Good people don't cut you off that regularly with such joy. Make the best use of every opportunity because the days are evil. If they were evil 2,000 years ago when the scripture was written, did they suddenly get better? No, they did not. Therefore, do not... Be foolish, but understand what the Lord's will is. And there it goes again, the Lord's will. The Lord's will. What is God's will? What is God's will for my life? How am I supposed to know how to live this way? How do I take the best advantage of every opportunity? How do I notice when that Kairos window is open and God is doing things? How can I do that? How, how, do, how, do, I, how do I better utilize my time to serve God and to serve others? How do I know his will? How do I have time for all of those things? How, how do I do that? Maybe the better question is this, when do I do that? Since we're talking about time. When do I have time to, to, to read my Bible, to pray, to fast, to be a good husband, to be a good father, to be a good friend, to go to church, to serve here, to do that? Oh yeah, this whole work thing gets in the way too because they expect me to be there in a certain period of time because they pay me by the hour. Well, I'm salary. They don't pay you near enough anyway, but you better put in your hours. The great misnomer of salary, right? I work a salary job, so whether I get it done in 20 hours or 60 hours, it all pays the same? No, it does not, friend. Do the math. Do the math. You may work 20 hours next week, but the 80 you're going to have to make up for doesn't work out. By the way, I just want to remind you, man cannot serve two masters. He'll either love one and hate the other. And when it comes to our time that God has given us, this finite window of 168 hours in a week, it's really hard to serve a time clock and serve God at the same time. Gee, maybe that's what he meant when he said God, when Jesus told us that you can't serve God and money. It's tough, isn't it? Now, any of you who've ever been employed, you have to also admit that at some level you say that these amount of hours in my day are for rent. I will give you these, and you will exchange for me money. 
not enough because you'll never be able to pay me what I'm worth. You're okay with that? Because I am. I've worked a lot of jobs, and they've never paid me what I'm worth, even this one. That's just the reality of humanity. But if it's all about money, you'll never find happiness, I promise you. And you'll spend a whole lot of time looking for it, and you'll never get it back, ever. So how do I use my time best to serve God? Make time for God. Make time for God. Gee, that sounds profoundly simple, John. Yes, it does, doesn't it? How does one make time? One looks at the amount of time that I have, and I section it off in such a way to say that no matter what, I'm going to make time for God. John chapter 5, verse 19, Jesus says this. And this is what I find so interesting about knowing the will of God and making time for God. He says this in John 5, 19. He says, uh, Jesus gave them this answer. Very truly, I tell you, the son can do nothing by himself. He can do only what he sees his father doing because whatever the father does, the son also does. Whatever the father does, the son also does. Have you ever seen a father and son and you see the kid walks just like his dad? You see, he, he sands just like his dad. He's got the same mannerisms as his dad. Have y'all ever noticed that? That's caught, okay? It's not taught, it's caught. It's caught because that father and son spend enough time together. They use the same mannerisms. They, they speak the same language. Many of you have met my dad. He's my stepfather. He became uh, my, da- my dad when I was almost four years old. Now, I have an older brother. He's four years older than me. He looks a lot like my mom in a lot of ways, except right here. I look just like my mother in the face. But for many years growing up, he became my dad. I called him dad. I actually call him Pop. Uh, he, he, he's my dad. I stand like him. I talk like him. I use the same terrible analogies as he does. My kids will attest to that. My dad still has this one saying that says, if you're waiting on me, you're backing up. I have no idea what that means. It makes sense to me because I use it because dad said it and he got away with it. So I figure I can too if I just say it with confidence, right? For many years, people looked at me and they're like, okay, well, Jim is, is Norma's son and John is BJ's son. And the truth of the matter is we're both Norma's son. and I'm not his, but I stand like him. I talk like him. I act like him. I'm proud for him to be my dad because I've spent time with a father and I've learned to know what his will is. And because I've spent that time with him, I begin to adopt his mannerisms and his customs and his sayings and his way. And I'll tell you, one of the greatest things I know about my dad is how much he loves my mom. And I've learned from him what it is to love my own wife. My wife helped me to see that one day. And so when Jesus says that, that, that I know the will of the Father because I spend time with him, I see what his Father's doing because whatever the Father does, the Son does. He says, I make time for God because it matters. I make time for him because no matter what is going on in these days that are evil, I'm going to walk wisely, not foolishly. I'm going to spend time with him because if I try to do this on my own, I'm going to miss the point because there's a perfect example right there in front of me that's saying, open up, look at me, watch me, trust me, follow me, and I'll make you fishers of men. Just do what I do, son. Love me and love others. Just do what I, son. Just do what I do. The second thing we can do is make time for good. Now, now this is a very subjective term, this ideal of good. We've covered that a minute ago. But I think sometimes we miss out on the reality of making time for good because we don't have time. I don't know if any of you have ever tried to volunteer at Thanksgiving downtown. It's really a fascinating thing. There's not a real good way to sign up for that. 
you just kind of show up and you stand in line with about a thousand other people hoping that you get to go in and put a couple of things of turkey and dressing on somebody's plate and then you can check your box and you can wait till Thanksgiving to come back. Woo! Thank goodness my job gave me Thanksgiving day off so I could go down there and stand in line with a bunch of people and feel good about myself. I didn't serve anybody, but sure was glad to have time to try. That's not what I'm talking about. You see, the problem with doing good is that it requires sacrifice, which means that you're going to have to get back into that ministry of no, and you're going to have to say no to some things that you might normally say yes to, or they just go ahead and permeate themselves into your calendar. You're going to have to find times to do good things. You're going to have to do good things in such a way that people see your good deeds and they give glory to the Father because of that. We're going to have to get back to a place where we don't see others out of rivalry or conceit, but we see them as more significant than ourselves, as Paul says in Philippians. One of the best ways we can do that is go back to Galatians chapter 6. Now, you might remember in the beginning of Galatians, Paul is smacking them around for preaching another gospel. But by the time he gets to chapter 6, he's hoping that's been figured out. Because he's saying, in this passage particularly, he's saying you won't get into the wrong gospel if you will exercise and practice in the chronos of time inside of the windows of Kairos. And one of the best ways to do good for the kingdom of God is to find yourself doing good in the chronos of time and saying, today I'm going to go do this. Today I'm going to serve here. Today I'm going to do these things. And while I'm doing these things with a glad heart, then I'm going to ask the Lord to bless the work of my hands just as Job did. And when I'm doing these things, not out of rivalry or conceit, then I'm going to see when God opens up a window for me to step in and do some good and talk to somebody about the kingdom of God. Galatians chapter 6 Verses 7 through 10 says, Do not be deceived. God cannot be mocked. A man reaps what he sows. Whoever sows to please their own flesh from the flesh will reap destruction. Whoever sows to please the Spirit from the Spirit will reap eternal life. Let us not become weary in doing good, for at the proper time we will reap a harvest if we do not give up. You know what that says? Persevere through time. Continue on the path through time. Therefore, as we have opportunity, let us do good to all people, especially to those who belong to the family of believers. I don't know, friends. I feel like it's time to tell you, serve the church. Serve the body. Serve one another. Serve in such a way that you have time allotted for on Sunday morning during COVID, we talked about different options on where to meet, and I threw out an idea. Hey, Sunday nights, there's every church out here would give us their sanctuary for free. We could go worship there on Sunday nights. How many of you will be there? Nope, not going to be there. What about Tuesday nights? That's a different night of the week. Nope, be there. What about Friday nights? They're not using that either. It's going to be free to us. Who's going to be there? Nope. Now, listen, I get it, partially. Sunday morning has traditionally always been, this is the window of time that I have for God to operate in. This is it. It's not Kairos by God's window of opportunity. It's Janos by John's window of opportunity. Is when I have allotted time in my week for God to speak to and through me and to others. Anything outside of this, I'm so sorry. We cannot worship on Tuesday night. That's just not biblical. stings a little bit pastor I didn't realize you felt that way that's because I don't have time to explain it to you 
I get it. We're in rhythms, okay? I do understand that. There's actually something to be said about the rhythms that we're in and the things that we do and how God moves us along the way. It does help us manage our time a little bit, especially when we do have responsibilities or we just have difficulty saying no to good and bypassing great altogether. But sometimes those rhythms really get in the way of the kairos of what God is doing. When I was a retailer, I used to, I I would get out of my store, get away from people who only wanted me to turn keys and sign things or somebody wanted to complain about something they didn't get and all this and I would I would go eat lunch I'd go through the drive-thru I'd put my lunch in my car and I would sit in my car and I would eat by my so I didn't have to deal with people and and sometimes it was 30 minutes sometimes I get a whole hour and one day I went into a Chick-fil-a and I sit down at Chick-fil-a and and I'm 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 eating by myself at Chick-fil-a over highway six and and uh, this young man comes in and I notice he's got these huge neck tattoos and this giant black eye and he's sitting down at the table next to, to me with uh, a young woman and an older woman, uh, and, and they're arguing, and all of a sudden, and he's fidgety. I mean, he's just, he's fidgety, and those people make me nervous anyway, right? And he gets up, and he walks outside, and I just walk him back and forth across the glass. He just keeps walking back and forth outside, and I go, and I'm like, okay, i got to get back to work. I go to get in my truck, and I put the key in the ignition, and I just so clearly felt the Spirit saying, get out of your vehicle and go talk to that young man. I don't have time for that. I got to go back to work. I kid you not. The Holy Spirit just spoke into my heart. You're the boss. Who's checking up on you? You don't have time. You don't have time. You have no idea that young man's life, and you don't have time to stop and ask him, are you okay? Do you need anything? You don't have time. Really? I said, no, I've work i'm the boss i have that expectation people are watching me to make sure i get back in time for my lunch break but i just had to laugh about that because i'm sitting here thinking if they're busy watching when the boss gets back what are they doing what are they doing their jobs right so i get in the truck i go over and i talk to the young man i say hey are you okay i'm not what's up he said i just got out of prison i'm like when he goes this morning i'm like oh See, the last time I picked up a hitchhiker, he got out of prison for murder. So, I mean, I've got a history here, okay? I'm not kidding you on that. I'll tell you that story another time. What's going on with you? He goes, well, I went to go see my girlfriend, and her ex-boyfriend showed up, and I got this black eye, and I got to go see my parole officer. And I just got out this morning, and I got to go check in with my PO. And as soon as I check in with my PO, I'm going back to prison. This is my third strike. He said, and this is really all the freedom I got. I'm going back to jail for a long time. I said, man, I don't do for you. I said, can I pray for you? He says, yeah, you got, you got time for that? Yeah, I sure do. So I reach up and I just hug him. I just felt the need to hug him. Weird, huh? His, his mom and his girlfriend come out and like, what's that guy? What, what's he want? He said he didn't have a whole lot of time. He just wanted to stop and pray for me because he knows that the rest of my time is going to be really bad on this earth. Time, huh? Let us don't be weary in doing good, especially to the body, but let our good flow out because we've made time. We're in the chronos, the everyday event. God opens the kairos, the window for us and saying, if you'll just but do this, I believe in you. You have the ability, but do you have the willingness? And I think that's where so many things boil down to. I may be completely incapable of a lot of things, but if I'll just be willing, I'm going to trust that God's going to take care of that. 
The next thing I would tell you is to make time for interruptions. Now, that's a contradiction, isn't it? Make time for interruptions. I hate being interrupted. It's just rude. It's just disrespectful. It just tells me people don't value my time. Do you see the inherent problem with that statement? My time. There was a guy many years ago when we started a church, we used to be done at 1130, and he says, you're telling me, excuse me, we were done at 11, we started church at 930, he says, you're telling me I could come to your church, drink coffee, get the sermon, go home, and still be home in time to watch the Cowboys? And I said, sure, man, if you want to waste your life like that, absolutely. He would fit church in to the Cowboys schedule. Jesus was walking from one place to the other and there was a woman with a bleeding disorder and, and she was pushed outside of town for a lot of reasons. She was ceremonially unclean. She was pushed outside of time. She'd been dealing with this for a long time. And as Jesus walked through the town, all these people started pushing around him. And interestingly enough, the disciples were always pushing people away from Jesus. While he's saying, come to me, they're saying, go away, go away. Come to me, go away, go away, go away. It was a big contradiction. And they were more or less saying, Jesus does not have time for all of you. And he's saying, I got all the time in the world. I created it. I was there in the beginning. It's an odd passage of scripture in Luke chapter 8 where the woman actually touches the hem of his garment and she is healed immediately. And Jesus asks yet another one of what I think is a grand uh, rhetorical question. Uh, who touched me? Like, he didn't know. The woman finally not able to, to cover her shame. She says, it, it was me. It says this in Luke 8, 47 through 50. Then the woman, seeing that she could not go unnoticed, came trembling and fell at his feet. In the presence of all the people, she told why she had touched him and how she had been instantly healed. And then he said to her, daughter, your faith has healed you. Go in peace. And while Jesus was still speaking... Someone came from the house of Jairus, the synagogue leader. Your daughter is dead, he said. Don't bother the teacher anymore. Hearing this, Jesus said to Jairus, don't be afraid, just believe and she will be healed. Do you understand there is so much kairos in allowing ourselves to be interrupted when God's got a far more important thing for you to do than what you could have possibly scheduled? It may actually begin in the morning with, God, it's me. Good morning. What would you like for me to do for your kingdom today? God, I've got a busy day. There's a lot of people counting on me. I said yes to more things than I probably should have, but today I want to be utilized by you. Hey, you know what, God? I'm going to use this mind that you gave me. I'm going to use this, this tongue that you gave me. I'm going to, give, I'm going to use this, this body with all of its limitations that you gave me to say, you know, I think instead of scheduling all 15 hours of my day packed to the very minute, I'm going to schedule 10 of it. And I'm just going to sit here or I'm going to walk in a manner worthy of my calling and I'm going to walk through life as unfoolish, as wise, and I'm going to look for the windows of opportunity that you have prepared for me in advance. Hey, God, I might actually manage your time well today. Wouldn't it be awesome? Tell me what's worse. Being so busy that you can't even stop and think for a minute 
or having so much time that it's just you and the Lord together and there's nothing else to do. What's bad about that? What'd you do today? I spent a lot of time with God. That's it? That's all you did? Yep. And it was glorious. I'm hoping tomorrow will be the same. Did you get the dishes done? Nope. Didn't have Kairos time for that. That doesn't say that we can't have our responsibilities. We've got to handle those. But when we don't allow for interruptions or interruptions throw you off so badly that you get so out of sorts because your time is so mismanaged that you didn't see the windows of opportunity, the Kairos of God of working and operating to say, I can respond to that. I can go talk to the young man at Chick-fil-A. I can do whatever those things are because God put this in front of me because I allotted for these opportunities, for these interruptions to happen. In fact, I'm not even going to really call them interruptions. I'm looking for that window because the day are evil. I need more and more of those windows. And Christ follower, listen to me carefully. I just feel like those windows are wide open and we're missing them. Because we're busy. Because we don't have time. Because we've mismanaged that. The last thing I want to share with you this morning is simply that. Just making time a priority. I mean that. It's, a, it's an actionable item for us to say that I'm going to utilize my time, schedule my time, say yes and no to the right things, to the great things. I'm going to look for opportunities where in my chronos of every day, God may actually be revealing to me the kairos opportunities. See, here's the thing. If you work in an environment with others, you only have so many lunches left with your coworkers to tell them about Jesus. Before you get fired, they get fired, you move on to another job, they move on to another job. Life happens, tragedy, accident. If you're a student, you go to a public school, you only have so many lunch breaks and recesses and opportunities to share with others the love of Jesus Christ before you graduate and go your separate ways and do those different things. There are only so many windows of opportunity because they are challenged by the chronos of time that says that we're not promised additional days, so we need to make best use of every opportunity because the days are evil. Most funerals I preach, I use this passage in Ecclesiastes chapter 3, a very familiar one. If you don't know the passage, the birds sing a song about it. There is a time for everything. A season for every activity under the heavens. A time to be born and a time to die. A time to plant and a time to uproot. A time to kill, a time to heal. A time to tear down and a time to build. A time to weep and a time to laugh. A time to mourn and a time to dance. A time to scatter stones and a time to gather them up. A time to embrace and a time to refrain from embracing. A time to search and a time to give up. A time to keep and a time to throw away, a time to tear and a time to mend, a time to be silent, a time to speak, a time to love and a time to hate, a time for war and a time for peace. 168 hours in a week, most of which you'll sleep away. The rest will be taken from you by work that you exchange resources that God can use for his kingdom and then there's this giant block of other time and it is it's a lot bigger than you think if you'll bother to sit down and map it out if you need help just go to your Netflix account and it'll tell you how many hours of television you watch 
Because like it or not, friend, there's a lot of people keeping track of your time for you and seeing how much they can take from you. The enemy does not need you to be acting against God. He just needs you to, but to be neutral. And there is no greater neutral thing than the idiot box. And we are all guilty of that because I love to be entertained. There is nothing more, honestly, that I like to do with my time to relax than to watch something that requires absolutely no thought and even less action. But I need to make time a priority, and the first priority I need to make is with God. And then I need to make time to do good. And I need to make time for interruptions so that the kairos windows of God's opportunity to do great things for his kingdom, to tell others of how much Jesus loved him, that even in the timeline of history, God opened up the windows and said that I'm going to plan this so that everybody has a chance for salvation. I offer my time, and I hope that you will as well, to fulfill God's purposes. And a whole lot of that has to do with how you manage your time. And so I want to present to you two different things to you this morning. As the band comes up, I want to present two things to you. First of all, I'm going to invite you to get involved with, with, with Right Now Media. If you need something to redeem your time, then put a little God in that, okay? Exchange some things within that finite amount of time that you have. And the second thing, as I've said over and over, and I'll continue to say that, is that we're in a process of rebuilding, and we're looking for opportunities for teachers, for people to tow the trailer for people to do a lot of different things on Sunday morning to make church happen so that we can present the gospel in a variety of ways, not just up here. So there's a red card on your seat that says, put me in, coach. And I'm going to invite you to fill that card out and say, put me in, coach. I want to serve. Now listen to me clearly on this. In our church, we believe that you belong long before you behave and believe, okay? We want you to believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God and that he died for your sins. And that through that, that's the only freedom that you'll have for all of eternity. But if you haven't made that decision yet and you want to get involved with the body of Christ, hey, there's some things that we would love for you to do. Hey, John, I'm not a member of this church yet, and, and, and we can talk about that later because we're in the process of changing that as well and what that looks like. But listen, if you're a believer in Jesus Christ and you want to serve the body, let's have that conversation that's far more important than the process of membership is the relationship that you have with Jesus. But please, please, please don't look and say, I've got all these other reasons why I can't serve when the body needs you. Just spending time in here this morning, you've heard more truth today than you'll probably hear in a lot of other areas for the rest of the week. And just imagine that you've only spent a little bit of time in here today and everybody else outside of these walls didn't get any of that. Part of service here on Sunday morning equips you for a service outside to do good in the rest of the world. And so we need you. Not out of compulsion, but just out of, out, of, out of response to what God has already done to say that I want to take what God has given me with the time he's allotted me and I want to pass that on from generation to generation until Jesus comes back, until the new Kairos window of eternity opens up. I want to continue to serve and we need you to do that. And so as we pray this morning, the band sings, the offering plates are going to go around and I invite you to drop.